I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my magical friend, Ellie Holbrook. Ellie is a psychotherapist, intuitive coach, clairvoyant, and energy reader. She runs her own private practice based in Reno, Nevada, and is an incredibly successful entrepreneur. I have experienced firsthand her amazing talents, and I am so thrilled to have her on the show. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hi, Ellie. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. Thanks for having me. Totally. I am so excited to be chatting with you and having you here. Ellie and I have known each other for about two years now. Mm -hmm. You're introduced through a friend at a time I was seeking some guidance. I was, it was kind of when I was starting my spiritual journey, really starting to do more work with like crystals and tarot and all of that. And I was looking for some insight. I think it was past lives that Mm -hmm. our mutual friend directed me to you. And we did this reading where you were really able to tap in and just read my energy. And that was the first time I really experienced that. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like you took me on this. It was like you, you tapped into this channel that just brought so much insight and it was so poignant and on point. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And since then we've, become friends and had a few other sessions and we both are therapists who Mm -hmm. do spiritual and psychic work as well. Mm -hmm. We've connected in that way, which has been so cool. I would love to have you kind of share with the audience a little bit about yourself and Mm -hmm. you know, what, what is your place now? What is the work that you do and what sort of your gifts that you're, you're bringing and working with? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, you know, Professionally speaking, um, I consider myself to kind of fulfill a couple different roles or titles that end up being a little bit of a Venn diagram of a lot of over- overlap, you know? So if I were to kind of sum each realm up into, yeah, I'm a therapist, I'm an intuitive, and I'm a coach. And I also, of course, um, there isn't really a job application for that. So that also involves some, you know, entrepreneurship and business management and all of those things. But I think those are probably the archetypes that I feel like I connect with the most is, um, you know, being that therapist, the coach and the intuitive and kind of like playing with that. Um, so yeah. So as I've been kind of like working through that, um, navigating that, building that over the last, um, I would say seven years. Um, I have kind of found, I guess, just my application, you know, and in part it's like a, you know, applied psychology where we have our training as therapists and, um, you know, the psychotherapy aspect that we can understand the psyche and understand the mind and the motivation and all those things. But then also through my metaphysics studies, yoga studies, things like that, that I can also take from there and kind of blend it to see what emerges, you know? So in the capacity that we've worked together, I've offered workshops and readings and things like that. that, And and it's almost like it has a different order of operation where we're tapping into the energy channels, but then pulling, um, applying that with another sprinkling of the psychology, you know, of like, okay, so this is what I'm sensing, which would make sense because we know this about your background and in therapy that would say X, Y, Z. So does that make sense? Like just kind of, yeah. And so like over time, I've been really able to kind of expand that, play with that. Um, and then just a lot of times see what shows up, you know, and that's part of, I guess, the intuitive approach, um, the intuitive approach of like the feminine energy within like business is like, you know, that we can create the container via the masculine and bring that order to things, but then also like see what emerges. And to me, that's a little bit more of the feminine. Totally. And I love that you point that out because I've been thinking a lot, you know, I have the business I'm building is women weekend. So it's definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to allow for the divine feminine to emerge. 
However, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think the, I feel like st- the idea of structure or even the word container that you used really resonates for me with the idea of the divine masculine, because yeah. ultimately if you think of, you know, if it's, there's a book called like the chalice and the blade and women tend to be more like the, the holder of things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more watery, right? They're more flowy mm-hmm. and men, you know, that energy tends to be more of like structure and, and things that like cut through or innovate or build. Um, right. and you need both because if things are too watery, if there's no container to hold, if there's, you know, if things are just flowing completely, there's no structure, like nothing yep. grows from that. It's just, right. you know, it's just like this, this beautiful bed of water, which is great. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, you also need that masculine. So I love that you refer to that in terms of using therapy, but then also tapping into the intuitive creative energies, because, you know, to me, that's the blend that's allowing yeah. both to be present. Cause we do need a bit of both, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to be totally free, free flowing, um, mm-hmm. without form, but we don't want to be too fixated on, on just building and erecting no pun intended. Um, <laughs> right. And you know, you're right. I think, um, and something that you and I have discussed a lot about like our industry, slash industries, you know, that we're in the helping industry, um, with, you know, therapy, which is our more formal training in a certain sense. And then the coaching and the intuitive realms and the divination and things like that, which is absolutely, I think, formality to that too. But, you know, with counseling, when you say like that, there's the overlap, if we have just one and not the other, um, we can see where there is it. It lacks in efficacy a little bit that, you know, when we have a therapist, for example, that can't get into creative realms and, you know, checks out from their intuition and doesn't use that internal guidance system and forgets to be human to human with their clients, it feels very bland and sterile and ineffective because it's too much about like practice and protocol and too much intellect, you know, and then it Right. And then we don't feel connected. Whereas when we're in a coaching realm with metaphysics and intuition, and we're dealing with energy systems, like there's so much there, there's so much potency there. And, and someone that might not have the understanding of that depth, therefore it's power and profundity might not understand like that there's also great risk. That's where I think that there's there's a, a need for practitioners like you and I and many, many others that kind of have the training and awareness of both to bring that together that regardless of what hat we're wearing or maybe we're wearing multiple, that we can still tap into, let's say the metaphysics, but also know how to navigate that and know how to navigate after. So if we're triggered or if we uproot a trauma or we pinpoint something that what is, you know, a heavy hitter that we can also hold our client in a very safe space and also be able to navigate in that space, navigate out of it and also make sure that they're safe. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And and that's, it can be com- complicated to do that. Right. It can be complex mm-hmm. to sort of maneuver in those different ways. And it, and it does take so much balance um, because things can tend to go in a more metaphysical way. But again, it's sort mm-hmm. of like with the water analogy, like you don't want to get too, you know, diluted with somebody where they feel like, I don't know where you're going with all of this. Like, this is a lot of information. This is like, I get energy and everything, but we have to remember that we do, we are physical beings in a physical realm. So -hmm. at the end of the day, like, of course we're, I mean, my belief is that we are a soul. We are spirit. That's our Mm -hmm. infinite energy. Yet we are having human experience now. So we have to tie in both. We don't want to forget about the fact that we're spirit, but yet we can't deny the fact that we're on this plane and we do need things to be a little bit contained and and so that we're able to make sense of it. And, you know, you, you touched on the aspect of trauma and that too can be so complex because trauma is complex Mm -hmm. and it has many facets. And so when we do sort of you know, it's very important and powerful to help someone identify their trauma and start to heal from it. Mm -hmm. But it's so important to be mindful that there can only be so much at a time that one can process. So, you know, and as, and as intuitive therapists, we can sense like deep trauma, like, wow, this has layers. Yeah. You can really only work one layer at a time with somebody. Right. At the pace that they're ready to go. And, and I like what you said too, about, you know, like the the analogy of water and the masculine and the feminine, that the the masculine, you know, one of its functions is form, you know, the container, the structure, the order, and that even bodies of water have a container (laughs) and that's what keeps it channeled, you know? So otherwise we have flooding or we have like, it, it oozes, you know? And so that balance of both of the structure, the container in which the feminine flows and operates and works. And if there's spillover, 
sometimes fine, but also that balance is like you said, key and that finding that, that ebb and flow of it. Yeah, definitely. You know, I often think in terms of comparing things like micro versus macro, like everything the individual experiences is just a micro level of what our society as a whole experiences. And, you know, when we talk about this, I think about the fact that, you know, I, I, why I've been so pulled towards the concept of the divine feminine, it's it's not a coincidence. I think it's the energy that's coming through now. It's the change that's happening. So, you know, the the, the presence and essences that we have with us now are wanting to bring it forth in, in the world. They're wanting to encourage us to do this work because, you know, just as you described, we don't want to be, you know, a, a water needs a container yet, you know, mm-hmm. it's also kind of like the analogy of like, if you want to grow something you can't just focus on the growth. You have to think about the soil, right? You have to think about the soil and the roots. And right now, you know, sort of our, the condition of our world is that we're growing, 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 but we're, we're, we've decided that it doesn't, doesn't matter that our root system is healthy and our right. root system is dying, you know, yeah. and, and it's, and it doesn't have the right nutrients or water or balance or any of those things at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So you can't disregard one or the other. If we right. get everything perfect with the, with the feminine, we're going to want to think again about how do we grow from here? Cause you don't want to stay forever just in the, in the soil and the roots, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, I talked about this once with a guest is that that's, what's exciting about where we find ourselves on this planet as a species at this mm-hmm. time is that we've known what it's like to be all feminine. You know, there's a yeah. lot of talk about how hundreds of thousands of years ago, the, the feminine ruled and it was all about just like flow and emotions. And then it made a drastic shift into all mm-hmm. masculine, which is where we are now. So we've mm-hmm. done sort of like the all, all or nothing one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And now we're, you know, I think that the divine feminine is saying like, we're not asking to have control. We're just asking to have a presence with mm-hmm. the divine masculine. Precisely. And mm-hmm. that balance is beautiful. And to bring it back to what you're saying is it reminds me of when you do therapy with someone and you're not looking mm-hmm. to, you know, just completely shift someone's understanding of themselves. You're looking to gently kind of allow them to have an understanding that allows for personal peace and alignment within. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I like what you said too, about like that pendulum swing of the, you know, the, the overmas not overmasculine, but the, the emphasis on the masculine, the emphasis on the feminine that, you know, we we're, we've experienced the pendulum swing from the feminine to the masculine. And now I believe that we are kind of coming into a collective center, so to speak. And that you're right, that the, the divine feminine is not asking to overpower because actually that would be a function of the masculine anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's part of where some more, feminist approaches have kind of been ineffective is that they've come at the masculine with the masculine. And so hundred percent. Thank you for right. saying that LA. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So then we're butting heads, right. And then we're, and then we're masculine and masculine. Whereas if it's like, you know, the, so there needs to be that like subtle, but really profound shift of still staying in the very fierce and embodied and empowered feminine, which has a tremendous amount of power. It's just not meaning to overpower. And so, like you said, there's that like space for, and not only space for both, but necessity for both. And I think that's what we're trying to find. And yet the feminine does not feel safe to drop that masculine, like guard or approach or advance or whatever without then retreating or hiding fight, flight, or freeze. Um, so to stay, you know, in it, in the feminine integrity in its most powered state, it has to feel safe and that it feels protected and that it feels secure and whatnot. Otherwise it'll do one of two things. It'll completely retreat or it'll overpower. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for good reason, we have this fear because, you know, talk about trauma, generational mm-hmm. trauma for hundreds of years, if not centuries now, or that is <laughs> hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. For a long, long time, you know, women have been prosecuted since, you know, I, I think it does go back to when women, you know, sort of ruled and had, they were the, the, you know, the rulers of the world, really, they had the power for a long time. Once that got shifted, the patriarchy didn't want to lose that and mm-hmm. they made sure of it. You know, we know what yeah. happened with right. being killed and tortured and all of this because they were still trying to allow for that intuitiveness. Because the other thing is that so much about the divine feminine is about self-empowerment. It's about sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fear right now for sovereignty because when we're sovereign beings and we know our own truth, we become much less dependent on things outside of ourselves. And yeah. right now we live in a in a society where we've created these out of control consumers and machines, corporations mm-hmm. that are billion, billion dollar corporations because we buy into them. Mm-hmm. They tell us that we need certain things and we say, yes, 
I do. Mm-hmm. I need certain things to feel good, to be okay, to be accepted. When that starts to go away because we become more sovereign and we we begin to know more inherently our own beautiful power and ability, we release mm-hmm. those co- connections, those cords that we're, we're so tied to and everything changes. Mm-hmm. We Just as you said, we are reluctant to trust because we have these generations of memories that we were prosecuted and killed for trying to come forward with this. For right. because again, there was um, people in power wanting to remain in power. And that's where we find mm-hmm. ourselves now. But I think that we're ready. You know, I, actually, mm-hmm. Ellie, I think it was maybe a session with you, but you know, you took me back to a life where um, I've, I was uh, abandoned by people that mm-hmm. I loved because I was mm-hmm. trying to speak. You use the term, mm-hmm. the magic and the medicine. And that stuck mm-hmm. with me. I was, tr- I was, in a prominent family in this life you took me back to, and I was pursuing a medical career, but something came to me like, wait, there's actually other stuff. You know, it's not just like scientific medicine. There's also some magic involved here. Mm-hmm. And I started speaking to it and I was abandoned by my family and this lover I had. I just remember it so powerfully when you're taking me through this, you know, there, there was that fear. And I think a lot of us have that fear that we've been abandoned or, or hurt because we tried to come forward. But you mentioned that you don't have to be scared of that anymore. That's how the reading kind of ended was like your energy. Now you can speak freely, you know, as much as we, it is hard to speak openly today, you know, we can still get canceled. We can get prosecuted. We can get, you know, ridiculed yet. We're not going to get stoned to death necessarily. We're not going to get tortured and locked away. Not like we would have hundreds of years ago. So it is safer. And so the point is that I think women are starting to see, Oh, maybe it is safe. I feel like we're, Mm -hmm. we're, Maybe it's not going to happen completely in this lifetime, but we're testing the waters of, you know, I think it's time that we can safely step forward and speak our truth and speak what we believe to be true in our hearts, which is Mm -hmm. we don't have to live this way anymore. Right. Yes. I love that. And I love, you know, like, like you said about, you know, the magic and the medicine of speaking out and that, that is a fear that we have these, these fear of perceived or sometimes real threats of what might be the quote unquote dangers of speaking out, um, which, you know, maybe we do get canceled, but then we realize like, well, canceled where in the land of make believe that is social media. And sure, we might lose that like sphere of influence or we might lose that. I don't know whether there's a, whatever is there, whatever is offered to us from there. Like, might we lose that? Maybe, but also is that a loss, you know? And then we also remember, like you said, we're not going to be locked away, stoned, killed, beheaded, whatever, that there's still that like speaking out. And that I think when we are driven from a sense of purpose, we know that we must, and that if we have a message to share, we must. And whether we're speaking out in just a conversation in a podcast, um, or just in inner moments of truth, in our daily life, it might not always be broadcasted, you know, which, which comes with different vulnerabilities, I think, because it's not like that fear of the numbers, you know, and then, you know, all of our stuff comes up with there, but with the feminine, I think recognizing, um, how am I, what am I trying? My thoughts are kind of watery still that with, I'll back up with the masculine, as you said, the feminine's ready. I agree. I don't think the feminine was ever not ready, frankly. And I think that it's more the masculine is shifting in a way that is ready to receive the feminine differently. And then we work in synergy. And because there's this shift of the masculine that is incorporating and integrating the feminine in a healthy way, you know, doing the shadow work under the, under the roots and and in the soil, as well as that, which reaches up to the sun, but then also seeing that like, oh, when I'm empowered, you can be empowered too. And that's not a threat. And when I'm self-sovereign, you can be in self-sovereign too. And we find that like mutual respect for that. And it's no longer a threat. And there's also like for the masculine and the feminine, for the masculine to get to that point, they have to be doing their shadow integration work. They have to be doing their work essentially to know that like someone else in power is not a threat to me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and that's going to be such a huge revolution is when we recognize that, that someone else having power doesn't take my power away. And also, but also redefining power because mm-hmm. what, where is it getting us now? The way that we, you know, our power is, is essentially, um, mm-hmm. greed and p- profit. You know, we've laid, we've kind of made money, mm-hmm. um, our, our God of power. And, but it's like, where, what are we winning? What is it getting us? And I think, right. you know, to your point that the men are coming around, I think it's because we've spent long enough in this place where we pursue and we pursue and we're like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, make it and be really powerful and have a lot of, you know, uh, recognition, but we're seeing that it doesn't really bring anybody 
very much. You know, we're, people are are we're rampant with addiction and disease and depression and all these things. And I think that mm-hmm. everyone, men and women alike, are saying this isn't working in any way. So why yeah. are we chasing after this false god, this thing that's not really? No one's winning, right? You know, right? Totally. And I think that, like, I think an old response to that used to be almost like an all or nothing knee jerk reaction of like, well, then I don't need money. And then going into this like glorified pauper state of like austerity of not needing anything, which I think what is really needed and practiced more and more, I think is that shift of not just that we don't need these things, but like, what is our relationship to them? Like you were saying. So for example, money that if we look at money as only a status symbol and a symbol of power and just all those kind of like more corrupt, I don't know, like misused ways, then yeah, like when, when is enough enough? When does it stop? You know? And, but yet when we shift our relationship with money and we see it as basically a means to an end that it is, you know, that money, money can do wonderful things, you know, money can, we can donate money to beautiful causes. We can fund our life so that we can feel secure and move up, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and work towards self-actualization and, you know, affecting the world in really beautiful ways. We can do that with money, but if we have a corrupt and perverted relationship with money, we can't. Totally. And that's the whole other thing that it's time to begin addressing as a society is that is our relationship with these things. It's not about casting them aside. We're always going to have a relationship with some sort of, because money is just energy. So in all ways, we're going to have a relationship with finances because again, we're in the physical plane. So we do have, we have needs, we have physical needs, which is to have Mm -hmm. a safe and secure home and relationship and and what we do to contribute to, you know, our society and to others. So, but you did, you, you know, I often use the word too, is we perverted these things and it's not just money. It's also sex and it's also success because neither of those are inherently bad in any way. They're a wonderful thing that we get to experience. It's, it's awesome Mm -hmm. to have success where you're like, oh my gosh, I worked for this and I put energy into this and I'm seeing this beautiful blossoming. Awesome. Or sex. It's like, what an incredible gift that we get to experience as human Mm -hmm. beings, but we've perverted them because we haven't been allowed to truly check into how we feel about them. We've been told so much how we're supposed to feel. And that really, you know, convolutes us being able to, again, have a sovereign experience of like, this is what I feel about money and sex. But also then it goes deeper than that, right? With more self-conscious issues. Like how do we even feel about our bodies? How do we feel about our weight? You know, I, I specialize in eating disorders and we've lost such touch about what we even, you know, how we even connect or feel about our bodies, All of those realms, it's really just time to take a step back and say, listen, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. What are we looking for? Right. I love what you're saying about that. And with like, not only how do we feel about this or relate to it and, um, and what are we doing with it? You know, because same thing, like, like, let's say sex, you know, that sex is a beautiful gift that we've been given and it's a source of personal power. It's a source of bonding and intimacy. It's a source of creativity. Like it, it's a, sex is a total powerhouse, you know? And if we're using it in a way that like feeds greater good for self and others, like we nailed it. No pun intended. (laughs) But (laughs) But if we're also like misusing it because of power sometimes too, or, you know, a way to manipulate, or if we are like in the prostitute archetype of, you know, selling ourselves out basically to get our needs met, then we are driven by like our security needs or sometimes self-worth. And that goes back to, like you said, the bigger picture of like society and what we're taught to believe about sex that like, if I, you know, and, and I, this goes for men and women, not just women, but like feeling like I only have worth in this relationship if they're sexually attracted to me, or that's what I have to give here. So that's what I better give, or they won't stay, or do you know what I mean? And like, so there's, there's so much there. And I think like doing that parts work and doing that shadow work to examine first and foremost, like you said, the macro and the micro on the micro level, like, what does this mean to me? How am I relating? How is this driving me? Is this working? And then from there, you know, kind of taking, you know, taking those tweaks to shift it. And that is ultimately how we shift the macro. You know, it's like that program that I was launching last year, the human revolution program, where the human revolution is the, um, the Buddhist concept that in order to affect great change on a macro level, we must begin with ourselves and we cannot do it any other way. And I firmly believe that. There's no other way because we all make up the macro, right? Exactly. 
if you exactly. don't change the parts, then the whole, how would the whole ever change? We, all the whole is, is a collective collection of parts. And, right. and I just encourage listeners that so much because I'm sure many of them feel as I do at times. And I've felt so much of my life is what can I possibly do? Like I look around and I'm like, this place is a mess. This sucks yeah. in a lot of ways for a lot of people, but what can I do? This is a, this ship is, you know, on its path, this train and can't stop it, but it's not true because just as you said, change happens when people individually start to change. And so what you can do is take a look at the things on a larger scale that trouble you mm-hmm. or that you'd like to see change. Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, what am I doing personally? Yes. If I see right. sex as a, you know, it's, it's as a, problem in ways it feels you know that it's not balanced and it's it's not safe for a lot of people how do I conduct myself sexually you know mm-hmm. if I see money is like wow there's so much inequality there's so much lack of wealth distribution how do I manage money how am I engaged with money how do I feel about money because the more mm-hmm. people if we all started doing that everything would change right everybody did, but people mm-hmm. don't often do that enough they don't want to look at have accountability, right? They don't want to say, I'm a part of this. They want to say, well, this is bigger than me. I can never do anything. No way, you know? Totally. And Mm -hmm. and I I have hope because I see this as being like this, like a domino effect. Like when, Mm -hmm. uh, when more people, just as we said, speak out to this and start saying like, listen, people, let's take a look around. What are we each Mm -hmm. doing? And more people feel safe to come forward and start. It's just kind of, I feel like it could shift very quickly. Yeah. Like exponential change, because you're right. When we do embody that on an individual level, we, we encourage and give permission for other people to do the same. And we're leading by example. And so that idea of like how the collective changes on that macro level is by the micro level first, and that that is the only way to change. And we, I think part of the obstacle to that is, um, like where we have displaced, our power, our personal power onto other things. And then we are disconnected from our own internal power source. And so we're sourcing power from something else. And we're also letting that source power from us. And so then we're forgetting that like, oh, I do have a sphere of influence. I can make a change. And I am the drop in the bucket towards change. And every single individual has a different like sphere of influence, whether they are, you know, on stage speaking to millions or just this conversation right here and anybody that listens to it or a parenting moment with my children, that those are the times that we affect change in like the micro moments, as well as like on broader scale. And each one of us has something that was given to us uniquely for us to use. And that's how we change just like herd animals, which humans really are. Is that like, how does, you know, a herd of horses or a swarm of bees move? by each be moving. (laughs) And, you know, and if we're looking for that, like to be, to shift the collective, we have to be brave and start to kind of break away to this direction that we know is better, safer, healthier, whatever that ends up being, you know? Completely, completely. Mm -hmm. Wow. So beautiful, Ellie. What an incredible Mm -hmm. conversation this is. I feel like we could talk about this forever. However, you did mention Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We have our own beautiful offering and I do mm-hmm. want to bring it back to you because you are my yeah. beautiful guest and the Thank you. Know about <laughs> yeah. you personally. And it's just so helpful. I'd love for you to share a bit. Take us back. Let's go back in time. And, you know, cause again, talking about like coming forward with your own unique gifts and abilities and, and speaking that and letting the world see that because that's what creates change. When did you first know that you had any sort of a, you know, ability to be attuned to these channels of energy and, and sort of, it sounds like, you know, yours is like clear audience and clairvoyance. You have, you know, you, you have sight, you have vision. Um, when did mm-hmm. that first come about for you? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think my first memories of experiencing myself in that way was when I was really little. Um, Like I would say, well, actually, I know I would have been four or five, maybe maybe three. I don't know. Like, um, but I remember it because it was in the house that I lived in, that I was born in, and we we moved as a family when we were when I was in kindergarten from that house. And I remember having. just kind of that, like, you know, I was way too young to make any kind of sense of it, but just kind of, you know, those like those downloads, drop-ins, like inner knowing about certain things or curiosities about things that are way outside of my frame of reference for a young one. Um, and that, that track that continued as I got older. And part of it was like, would show up through me just being really drawn towards things that like, 
I don't, I can't really otherwise explain why I was drawn to it other than like something that was trying to be pulled out of me and expressed or like perhaps a past life connection or a karmic something. Um, but it was a, it was a, I had a confusing relationship with it. Um, but I'm thinking in probably my teen years where I was very aware of certain thoughts, feelings, dreams, awarenesses, downloads that I would have. And almost like, I don't, I, I don't necessarily identify with the word premonition, but almost like pre precognition kind of, you know, of like knowing something before it happens and like noticing themes. And sometimes it was like little micro moments, you know, thinking someone of someone and then they call, or maybe something bigger of just kind of knowing that, like knowing without knowing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but my family was not, um, that's not in line with their thought processes. And so if I would ask questions or I'd say something, it was kind of like discounted and, and never really like shamed or anything like that. But just, you know, I remember like knowing a thought that my dad had and I said something and I didn't mean to like call it out. I just said, he's like, you don't know that. I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, we're like, yeah. But then I would often like at that age to feel um, you know, I question it then because other people were not accepting it. And that's partly, especially when we're young as we learn about ourselves kind of by what's being mirrored back to us by other people. Right. And so my parents who I very much valued and trusted in so many other ways, you know, if they didn't value and trust something, then of course I question that a little bit more. And if it's something about my most internal being that like at that age is really kind of hard to like come to grips with. But then I would also feel this confusion of things that I felt was so obvious. Like, aren't you all seeing this? Like, how are you guys missing that? Like the signs are all over, you know what I mean? Where it would feel like read it. What I guess would, would have then been like reading a person's energy. I just thought like, isn't that body language? Isn't that inflection? But I think like to me more so than some in particular, my family, it was, it was blaring, but not necessarily to them. And so I didn't really have a, a strong relationship with my intuition at those, at that age. And conversely, I felt like I was often pulled away from it, you know, and wasn't given a lot of voice and choice in certain things and wasn't given a lot of sovereignty. So I would rebel or act out passively or whatever. Um, so then when I was older, um, actually when I was 18 is when I have like one of the first moments that I really remember very profoundly, um, getting like divine download from, um, when I got pregnant with my son, Ian, and I was 18, I was a senior in high school and not at all in a position to be having a baby and especially having a baby with the man that I was having a baby with. And, but I just kept hearing like, you're having this baby and it was not, and I looked into options, but none of them i like, didn't consider it. I looked into it cause I was supposed to, you know, and, but it just felt like this baby's supposed to be born and he was, and, you know, and so there is just that kind of thing of like, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing it. And then sometimes too, being guided by like, sometimes very spontaneous decision-making that I wouldn't call like reckless or impulsive, but like signing up for yoga teacher training and that being a life-changing thing, or, you know, going to college in the way that I went or, you know, just some of those types of things that was definitely like guided intuitively and guided, I would say in that co-creative way with the divine and self, because really like, as a side note, like it's the same, you know, like we get it, we get kind of caught up in the separation energy of like a download that's coming through or a transmission that's coming through as if like, you know, God is speaking it to us, which is how we conceptualize it. But there's still that separation that if we're the channel and something's coming through the channel and what's the, you know, the, the, the vase and the water are not the same, right. You know, one is a channel. And so the vessel is an expression of the divine, but yet if we're also a spark of the divine, it's same, same, Mm -hmm. you know, like a spark of the, right. And so like with the fire, you know, if I light this candle with this candle, I don't say, well, this spark of that candle is so beautiful. It's just like fire is fire is fire. You know what I mean? So I think it took me a long time to really conceptualize that too, because it always felt very separate. 
And now as I'm refining that over time and practicing that, it feels so much more co-creative as opposed to um, separate functions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How beautiful. And what did it, was there a time that it felt uncomfortable? Like that you, did you ever wish that you didn't have that? Was there ever like, I just want this to go away. This feels mm-hmm. odd. Said, and you're, you know, absolutely correct is that, you know, I'm sure you do this work as a therapist as well. But when I work with individuals who, you know, have childhood trauma, childhood trauma is so impactful because you don't know how to conceive of yourself mm-hmm. free from what others tell you when you're young. You don't have this sort of built understanding of, no, this is who I am and this is what's appropriate. You don't have that ability to really kind of mm-hmm. make conclusions. You need other people to tell you like, oh no, you're doing great. You're good. You're safe. When we don't mm-hmm. get that messaging, we start to wonder, am I safe? Am I secure? Is this okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, was there a time that you, you know, questioned these gifts and when did you really feel like you embraced them? And when did you start sharing them with people? Can yeah. You, thank you. Know, you. Um, yeah. I think that my, um, it was, it was kind of a simultaneous experience. I think when I really dropped into the gifts, the metaphysics, um, was my yoga teacher training, my 200 hour yoga teacher training. And so I would have been, I don't know. I was in my twenties, mid twenties and, um, kind of spontaneously signed up, got in, it was, it ended up being, you know, like one of, one of those divinely orchestrated things. Um, and so I really was, I was given new language in which to, I, you know, identify and express my intuition and the, that metaphysical world. I was, I was introduced to more divination. I was introduced to other people, even just to like talk about things and inspire curiosity and like work on that and also have that validated of like, you know, where other people could see that in me far more clearly that I could see in them or that I could see in self. And so that was always a very enriching experience. And as that grew stronger and louder, and then I became more aware of that, um, the, the, when there's discrepancies. So as I drop deeper and deeper into my own authentic self and practice that, um, not just, you know, with as much transparency, responsibility, and authenticity as I could, that, then there would be times, you know, if something was asking me to behave or be or express in a way that was out of alignment, it just felt like that, like, no, you know, that, that feeling where our whole body wants to reject it. And so I would grapple with that sometimes because at the same time that I was in, you know, dropping and cultivating those skills, I was in a life that did not fit my being. And so then it was like, can I just unsee sometimes? Can I unfeel? Because then it felt like this inner war all the time. And then as I got more and more aware of what was happening, aware of my true self and how I wanted that to, how that was, I guess, evolving, then I became more, it became more and more clear that the life that I had was, you know, my marriage, where I was living, things like that was not in alignment. Mm-hmm. And that was scary to also realize like, whoa, I, I can't choose this anymore at the expense of me. But then that means that if I choose this, then I have to let that go. And what is that going to look like? And that was, you know, I, ba- I grappled with that for a long time, a long time. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How did, did that change the course for you professionally at all? I mean, when you chose to be a therapist, mm-hmm. was there part of you that, you know, wondered how much you could incorporate this in it or like wanting to do more mm-hmm. work like this, but not feeling safe in it, you know, cause there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot to say for, you know, being, being attached to what is considered more acceptable and more standard and more approachable mm-hmm. versus, and that's, you know, again, one of the challenges of women coming forward or anyone coming forward with unique gifts or insights or mm-hmm. intuition is, is this going to fit? Is this going to pay the bills? Is this going to be mocked or mm-hmm turned away. So what was that like for you when you had to make decisions for your life? Yeah, great question. You know, I think that, um, it did change the course and it influenced the shift that my career is now what it is, you know? And I think at first it was almost like these two different 
um, two different spheres, you know, where my yoga teaching gave me an outlet for me to, you know, tap into the metaphysical world to, you know, I, I was, I did my 200 hour and my 500 hour and then like a whole host of workshops. So I stayed in that for a long time as a student, as a teacher. Um, and that gave me a, a beautiful place to explore and express. And then I had my therapy practice and I was working for someone else at that time in a setting that did not allow for anything metaphysical. And like you said, the industry itself with all of the ethics and the, this and the fear mongering and the protocol and the treatment planning. And it, like, it just felt like, how am I going to do that? You know? And I think over time, what I've found is that the more that I knew the structure, the container that is like, you know, the, the mental health industry, I learned that there actually is a lot more breadth and depth for us to explore in a very ethical way Mm -hmm. that we can pull in a lot and we can be very effective and we can be very authentic. But the general consensus of the powers that be tell us that we can't. And so it's, it's kind of, there's a little bit of a a rebellion, you know, like a little rebellion, I guess, of like, well, I'm going to try this. And I know that I'm not doing anything unethical. I know that I'm coming from a place of integrity and the intention to help and all of those things, you know, that I can check in with my inner sovereignty and I can know that this is aligned and give it a shot and see how it goes. And that kind of would depend on, you know, certain clients that depended on certain issues. Um, but the more I practice it, the more, I guess it felt better to me in those moments because I felt true to myself, but I also got great feedback from my clients and saw that it helped. It was impactful. Um, So as I went out on my own in private practice, then I felt like, well, I have so much more room to kind of stretch my legs and give this a shot. You know, so my first therapy practice, I opened up in a yoga studio that I owned. And so there was like this melding of all of the above, you know, where I really got to play with it. So I think that, um, yeah, it's more and more, I do think that we, we can have that overlap in a, in a way that works, but. And a way to be embraced and, and appreciate it, you know, because I know you have clients and I do as well, that when I've brought to the table or offered, Hey, I'm, I'm having insights into this, or I, yeah. I can explore this or that. And they say, Oh my gosh, I would love to, I would yeah. I've been always, I've, or I've also had clients who open up about their own clairvoyance or their own mm-hmm. things that they've experienced and haven't really known how to speak to it. Right. So yeah, there is, there's just such a, so much room for it. It's the, the next frontier. And I you know I want to say that I, you're a bit of a pioneer in terms of going for it. You know, you did mm-hmm. it and you were a great inspiration for me. You know, I, we connected mm-hmm. when I was thinking about starting my own practice a year ago mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to go about it. And I, you were the only person I knew at that time who mixed the few, you know, the different things that said, I'm a, I'm an intuitive, I'm a spiritual mm-hmm. coach as well as a, a therapist. And I thought, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. she's doing it. And that's what I want to yeah. do. And mm-hmm. I didn't know, as you said, I didn't know if it was safe to state that if there was space for it, but there really is, you know, Um, because again, people are wanting that people, Mm -hmm. people know they have deep intuition. They know that they have these abilities that they want to explore, I think, and get curious about. And so giving them permission is awesome and opening that and Mm -hmm. taking those forward. So I definitely appreciate you and and in all you do and bringing that forward. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. And, you know, you're right that I think like when we can offer that space to clients um, and whether it's like you saying, you know, like offering something that's coming through or, you know, an additional service, like, you know, if you're going to do a card reading or something like that, and, you know, we might not always do that in the same session. Like sometimes we, you know, we know, we know how to do it, right? (laughs) Like sometimes we know when there's a time for separation and when there's a time for melding and that, you know, trusting our inner our inner genius on that. But then also even like having clients come to us with some of those questions. Like I had a client just this morning that has, you know, she was afraid kind of to open up more about some of these questions that she has of her own internal experience, which as we explored, it really came through as like what we would call clairsentience where her body feels energy. And also we can, we can tie that in clinically to look at this woman also has profound trauma and a lot of anxiety. So the hypervigilance is there. So her whole body is basically an antenna to perceive threats and danger, which is also sometimes a superpower of being able to like sense her surroundings or read people's energies based on 
just her body. And so giving her a different way to conceptualize that and have language for it and understanding what's happening as it happens diffuses a lot of fear, self-judgment. Um, and then, and then the, the impulse to like reject aspects of self. And when we reject those aspects of self, we become disintegrated. Mm. And so sometimes just being able to pull this together allows clients to integrate. Completely, completely. And that's also just such a pivotal shift that's needed now is, you know, we're so quick to reject ourselves. If anything feels, again, out of the norm, out of, you know, what we have been told, the messaging we've gotten is is okay, is acceptable, is what we're supposed to do. And especially working with teens, you just see the how devastating that is where kids who don't maybe don't fit in like a typical school plan or that like a trajectory of like going to college and doing this, that, and the other thing that they're crippled by anxiety and fear of like, mm-hmm. I'm being forced down this path, but it's not what I want. Right. Then they start to reject the parts of themselves that want something different because they don't right. want to admit, they don't want to have to deal with the fact that I'm not like tried and true to the way. Right. Um, so I, I think that again, allowing for people to, to know that it's okay. Mm -hmm. to explore these other notions and feelings and experiences, all of these things is going to be so vital to our evolution as a species. Cause we need to realize Mm -hmm. we're not meant to be in a little box. We're meant to be so expansive. That's the exciting part of being here is that we're so expansive Mm -hmm. and we're always evolving and growing, but it's like, we've kind of said, like, we're not going to grow from here. We're just going to stay the way we've done it. We're going to keep it the way you can't go out of that, but the soul is life itself. And life itself is always wanting to develop and evolve and grow. Right. You know, and that's what we're seeing now. And so again, I just thank you for your work where you hold the space and, and welcome people to integrate, you know, mm-hmm. these parts of themselves that feel out of bounds, if you will. But that only means that they're they're growing, they're developing. Right. Right. That's the and that is the expansion. You know, growth is growth requires that, you know, like the the metaphor of the seed that we have to break that open in order for it to to grow, blossom and bloom. And so there is there is discomfort with that, but Really. And I feel we're, that's why I feel like we're, we're experiencing so much tension again in the micro and the macro in the world yeah. right now is because it's, it's like we are in our little seedlings and we're trying not to break out of it. We're trying to stay like, no, 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 I can keep just putting it back together. And we're, we're growing beyond from within where we're, it's just time. We can't, you can't stay stuck in that yeah. forever. You know, it's like that, the, the quote that I love is, and the day came where the staying tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I'm, right. I messed that up a little bit, but you know it, I'm yeah. sure. And- yeah, and I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree. And there is, I like that, like you said, pointing out the tension of that, like we're at that precipice of change of breaking through the upper limit and breaking through the status quo and breaking open. And that there, that is uncomfortable. It's messy. It's explosive. It's a supernova, you know? And like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And you're right. Like we're kind of in this like rigid, like, oh, I don't want to break it. But like, Bust it wide open. Totally. And and ultimately there's no way to avoid it. You right. know, no way. It's just, it's like if you tried to keep a baby inside you forever, like <laughs> it's just not gonna it. stay yeah. there forever. It's gonna eventually, you know, it's gonna come out. It's time mm-hmm. eventually to, to leave and to for life to emerge. And that's where right. we are. We're like, no, I'm not ready for life to emerge because that's like as you said, it's scary, it's gonna be different, it's gonna be a supernova. You know, everything that we know is eventually going to change. And yes. we're very scared of that. Yet mm-hmm. you know, life is change. So the longer that we're afraid of change, the more we're suffering. Right. Um, and again, to me, that's the divine feminine because the divine feminine knows that ch- how the beauty of change, that, that change is life and it embraces it in all ways. Right. You know? And that is the, yeah, bringing that full circle, that is part, you know, in part the essence of the divine feminine is a change and, and there's rhythm and there's, you know, there, there's evolution, there's flow, there's, there's, it's constantly moving. It's ethereal, you know, like the moon has consistency in its rhythm, but it's different every day. Whereas the sun rises and falls exactly the same. The only thing that's different is the weather. And so that is the feminine is that constant move, multitasking, the flow, the chaos, but then we bring the masculine in to provide a container or structure or protection or guidance or do you know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. And that's what learning to embrace. And, you know, you said earlier about it's a time where even if we're afraid, we were brought here for a reason. It's time to step up, time to just, even when we're a little bit scared, we might be canceled, we might be ridiculed. And that's how I feel because I feel these notions are so vitally important and needed and just it's just time to talk about them and explore Mm -hmm. them. So 
Thank you so much for, for sharing everything. I would love for you as we wrap up to just share mm-hmm. a little bit about, we know that you're amazing, wonderful therapist, but what do you, what do you offer currently as far as the energy work you did with me? Are you, do you do that with, do you continue mm-hmm. to find on your website? What, what kind of stuff yeah. do you offer in that regard? Yep, absolutely. So I am, like you said, I have, you know, the therapy practice where we do more traditional well, unorthodox traditional psychotherapy. So I have my own approach (laughs) and then, um, I do offer coaching. So that would be a little bit, you know, there's, there's some similarities to talk therapy because coaching is based on, you know, that same foundation, but with coaching, it's a little bit more creative metaphysical. Um, you still get Ellie as the therapist, but it's, we can take it in whatever direction we want to as a, you know, but therapy sometimes is a little bit more, um, contained. And so I do those sessions. And then also the energy readings where like with you, we did kind of a chakra reading where we went through the chakras to see what emerges, just kind of starting there as the foundation to see what comes up. Um, I do past life a little bit. I can't say that I have like specific training in that, but that's something that's kind of emerged through my practice is seeing like what past lives are coming up and we can kind of dissect that. And then also um, regression therapy is something that I'm doing a little bit more of too, that kind of can tie in the therapeutic realm as well as the metaphysics and the past life to like go backwards on the timeline to see like, you know, at what point was something happening and kind of explore that and then, you know, shift the meaning to bring it out so that we can kind of lay it to rest, carry it differently, or, you know, emerge from, um, that differently. So those are kind of primary. I teach a little bit of yoga still, um, here in Reno and just one, one time a month. And that is actually recovery based, um, where we teach a hour of asana and then a half hour discussion of like the yogic principles and practices like the yamas and niyamas. Um, but yeah, all of that can be found on my website as well as social media. Um, Instagram is best. Awesome. And what's your website and or Instagram handle? Yes. <laughs> it's elliholbrook.net. And that's E-L-L-I-E-H-O-L-B as in boy, R-O-O-K.net. Perfect. Perfect. And I just have to, you know, reiterate that, you know, the readings you did for me were just so incredibly powerful. And I was absolutely astonished by the insights and what you were able to pick up on and just how much clarity it brought me and understanding and just how moved I was by what you were picking up on. And I also gifted a reading to my mom with you and she was just so amazed by it and really impacted. So, and, and, you know, you know, as working with, as a therapist, that there are times when you're working with a client and it, you know, that they're attuned to their intuition, but they're missing some things or they they're frustrated because they're stuck on certain things. They don't understand why it's someone like you that can be so beneficial Mm -hmm. when they need an add on, they need something that that's deeper, that is more fluid, that is more divinely feminine based. That's, you know, really tapping into stuff that's unseen. So I just think it's so incredible that you're able to, to have that ability and offering for people because we, we need it. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ellie. It was so fabulous talking to you Mm -hmm. and having this incredible conversation. Uh, I'd love to have you back on. I feel like we have lots to talk about. So thank you so much. I know lots of people will be looking to to find you and work with you and rightfully so. Thank you for your gifts and for sharing them with us. Thank you so much. Take care, Ellie. Okay, bye, Whitney. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.